welcome everybody to the Performance and Animal Rights Roundtable. This is an initiative by Bright Eyes Theatre Arts to bring creatives and activists together to talk about the role of performance in the animal rights movement. A brand new UK theatre company, Bright Eyes Theatre Arts is dedicated to centering the non-human animal narrative through performance, tours, theatre and education, training and research. My name is Lee Venus. I've been involved in animal rights work since 2018 as an activist, organiser and writer, and I've spent over a decade working in culture and heritage. I was described in the event description for tonight as a cultural commentator, which is a, a first for me, but I'm, I'm going to take it. And I've been given the gorgeous task of facilitating the conversation tonight, and I really can't wait to hear from everyone on the panel. So joining us tonight, we have Ben Hunt, performance artist, academic, founder of Bright Eyes Theatre Arts and host of the Performing Animal Rights Archive and Podcast. A practice-based researcher, Ben's work probes performance as a tool in bringing about positive change in social justice movements. Barbara Helen is an artist and activist whose songs are inspired by living a vegan lifestyle and being involved with animal rights activism. Barbara has released two albums and can often be found performing at vegan festivals and animal rights events. Harley McDonald Eckersall is a social change organizer and co-founder of the organization Young Voices for Animals. Moving to the UK from Australia to work on narrative and strategy at Animal Rebellion, Harley uses her background in art and theater to contribute to, to the development of a powerful movement for animals. Jen Armstrong is an artist who breathes freedom, love and compassion out to all beings via powerful songs of truth via her alter ego, Vegan Queen V. Inspiring people to make more compassionate and mindful choices, her debut album, Freedom Warrior, was released earlier this year. And last, but by no means least, fresh from an art walk and a mini concert in Newcastle this weekend, Daniel Hellman is an award-winning singer, performer, dance and theatre maker. With his alter ego, Sawyer, a sex-positive feminist vegan drag cow, he has created a one-cow show, released an album, and travelled across the US with the solar exhibition, Planet Moo. So we've got two hours to spend in the company of this fantastic panel, and I'm excited to hear from everyone here tonight. Um, those of you in the audience, if you could just please keep your mics on mute and your video off throughout the panel uh, so we can focus on our guests. We are going to be taking questions at the end, so if anything comes to mind that you want to put to the panel, just drop it in the chat throughout the event, and we're going to be putting those to the people here later on tonight. Okay, so let's get into it then. Thanks very much uh, to all of our panelists for coming together tonight. Um, I've got a bunch of questions that I'm gonna direct at you individually, but for each of them, I, and I'm sure our audience too, would love to hear all of your thoughts. So please chime in and we'll get the conversation going. So Ben, as, as the founder of Bright Eyes Theatre, I'm gonna kick off with you, since you're the person who's brought us all here tonight. How did you get started in animal rights activism? Where did you come from and uh, where are you now? Thanks, Lee. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for hosting this. I really appreciate your time and your um, questions to come. It's exciting. So um, my name is Ben. I am a 33-year-old white man with brown hair, uh, wearing a green shirt with a button a bit too tight around my neck, but I don't want to loosen it up just yet, maybe a bit later. Um, I'm a pronouns are he, him. Uh, the question of getting into animal rights activism is quite a basic one, I think. I think I turned vegan because I read something in a book and then 
I went to the Animal Rights March um, in London and heard a speech by the very um, famous in the vegan circles, Earthling Ed, talking about, um, would you walk past a dog being kicked? And I was like, no. And then that decides that I'm going to be an activist. So I got into the circles of Anonymous of the Voices and Vegan Outreach. And then more and more doing more stuff and eventually um, opening a little micro sanctuary in the pandemic, just absorbed a lot of animals in need. Yeah. So where am I now? I'm doing, I'm just um, at the tail end of my PhD, looking at performing arts in, um, in, um, animal rights activism specifically looking at trauma and how trauma is explored through performance but also lots of other things um and i just come off the back of a performance last week um on a treadmill for six hours um looking at the anti-hunt movement um yeah so now and i kind of got um some my supervising tonight they'll know that um i'm hopefully eventually near the end i can see it in the horizon um but yeah so that's me very good thanks ben go on we'll kick it over to our other panelists and so barbara hi i'm barbara helen um i'm an animal rights activist and singer songwriter um been vegan for about 10 years um yeah i, I was a vegetarian and uh, i think it was really pre-social media um, and through so, so I found out through a, a mainstream TV program about the dairy industry and uh, about the male calves getting shot as a waste byproduct of the dairy industry. And it was a shock to me. I, I, had, I wasn't just unaware of that as a, ve as a vegetarian. And I vowed for those calves that I saw being shot that that was it. I was vegan. And, um, and that was like, oh, yippee, I'm vegan. You know, the world's going to be a better place. And then um, you realise that you, you, you're opening a door to a whole new world and um, um, a whole roller coaster of emotions, almost like going through a grief process. And uh, I think I've been through pretty much them all and keep revisiting them, getting angry and getting down about things, but try and remain positive at, at the end of it. But, yeah, so... Um, um, yeah, I, I've always written songs and uh, my songs have always been personal and uh, and I play guitar and um, and record my songs. And um, it's it's a way of expressing myself. So the feelings that have come up through being vegan and through being active with the Animal Save movement um, all pour out in the songs. Uh, and that's, um, I suppose that's my way of expressing myself. And uh, to describe myself, I'm a white female. I've got white hair, <laughs> I'm 67, and I'm wearing a, a green eco threads top, which I love. Thanks, Barbara. Uh, Jen, shall we go to you next? How do you get started and what's happening with you now? You're, um, you're marooned up in Scotland somewhere, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but grateful for the marooning anyway. Um, yeah, hello everybody. It's uh, an absolute delight to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, yeah, my story is very similar to Barbara's. Um, I was vegetarian and then I watched um, Cowspiracy and Fox Over Knives, Earthlings. They're the, sort of the three, the three big documentaries that um, I think change a lot of vegetarians uh, to vegans because uh, you just you, you're showing the truth 
um, uh, surrounding the dairy industry and the egg industry. Um, and yeah, it was a massive shock to me. I've been vegetarian since I was eight years old um, because I, I just had this affinity with animals and just didn't understand why we would say that we love something and then kill them um, unnecessarily. Um, so I, I found that very early on, but it took me until um, six years ago to find veganism. Um, and like many vegans, um, I wish I just found it sooner, um, but I'm here now and uh, I'm a professional musician and have been my whole adult life. So naturally um, I just started, once I found out about these industries and what these animals are going through uh, and naturally started writing songs for them and from, from their perspective, um, trying to show the world what was happening um, from their eyes as well. Um, and, and like Barbara said as well, I've realised that those songs, as well as trying to share the truth, they were actually my um, my therapy um, to get through this traumatic traumatic experience of not only realising that you've been completely blind to such a massive, horrific truth uh, most of your life, but once you actually take that to your friends and your family, you expect them to, to have the same reaction as you and, oh, my goodness, Goodness, I had no idea but actually opposite happens and that often you're, you're called the crazy one or um you know oversensitive or um you know all those words that we know that we're not uh, we know we're, you know we're innately supposed to be here to look after the animals and they are our friends that's why we're, when we're kids um we have these affinity this affinity with animals um so yeah songwriting has been a big massive thing for me um in in dealing with the, the trauma that comes with veganism and there's um Claire Mann says you know living in this non-vegan world it's uh it's yeah, it's quite traumatic um so yeah that's me and uh I'm yeah I'm on the Anna Lewis so uh, I'm in a pretty cozy uh outfit today We've been on the beach, so I've got a nice woolly, uh, not woolly, <laughs> no, no wool. It's, uh, I don't know, some sort of acrylic material. Um, and my uh, my jogging bottoms on. Uh, just feeling comfy and uh, happy, happy to be here. So thank you. That's me. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. That's that's powerful stuff. I'm sure we're going to get into the dealing yeah. with the trauma and how, you know, performance can, can deal with that. Um, just... Jumping to the other side of the world now, we'll go to to Harley, who I, I believe it's around four or five a.m. where you are. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, twenty past four. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to pretend that's not real. Um, yeah, I'm in Australia. Um, hi, I'm Harley. Um, I'm a twenty five year old white female. Hello. Um, with I guess. Thank you. Cool. Yes, 25-year-old white female, um, dark blonde hair. I'm resistant, resisting calling myself a brunette. I've been fighting that for a few years now. Um, and yeah, pronouns are she, her. Uh, yeah, I feel like, so my kind of journey into animal activism is very interlinked with my kind of, I guess, theatrical history. So I wasn't aware or active in any way for a very long time. I grew up in the country, um, rural Australia, 
um, dairy farming country. My dad was a milker, kind of all that stuff. Um, just very much, I guess, accepted the status quo of how we use animals as being just normal, no question. Um, I was only when I went to university studying theatre, so I was at um, university in Melbourne. Um, and uh, yeah, I was studying theatre, I was kind of like exploring that side of myself and I kind of stumbled into animal rights um, through first year philosophy um, of all the places um, and just, I guess, made this connection in my mind that there's just no morally justifiable reason to exploit animals or to use them um, in any way. And I was always very big on, at that point in my life, I was a lot more focused on like consistency. I didn't like the idea of being like morally consistent. Um, so that was kind of my big turning point. Um, so I think at that time, I kind of felt like there was this like duality in my head. It was like, well, I'm studying this theater degree, but now all my time is going into animal activism like, yeah I co-founded an organization Young Voices for Animals which they mentioned um which ran for a couple of years with other people um and then was also starting to get involved in different activist groups around Melbourne um so yeah a lot of my time and energy was going to that while also trying to do um do theatre so I think I very much separated them in my mind like oh well at some point I'm gonna have to choose and I very distinctly remember a car ride with a friend of mine um, where we were talking about activism. He was a big influence for me. And I kind of just looked at him and I was like, my life's not gonna be how I thought it was gonna be, is it? Um, just realizing that this pathway I saw for myself with yeah, the degree I was doing, where I imagined that ending up was just radically changed in a matter of a few weeks. Um, and he was like, yeah, probably not. Um, so yes, I very much saw them as separate. And then it was only when I guess I started to become more interested in like social movements and like social change on like a wider level um, that I started to see this like correlation between my, I very, I often think about myself, like I don't, a lot of the time I don't feel like I'm actively performing. Like I'm not, I wouldn't even say I'm an actor a performer anymore in the sense that I'm not creating work I'm not kind of putting any work out there but I very much think of myself as having an artist's brain um, I see the world through that lens um, and when I started kind of studying social movements it just everything clicked in my head of that this is the same kind of force in the universe um, this is the same kind of like cultural initiative when you're creating some kind of artistic work and when you're creating trying to create and social change essentially what you're doing is you're looking for entry points into culture and trying to like break the status quo and trying to kind of like well yeah essentially break into people's consciousness in some way like get their attention in some way and kind of shift even just subtly how they're seeing the world like it just felt the same so that really influenced my work moving forward um and yeah as I said I moved to the UK um in 2020 and I worked with Animal Rebellion um so they're a group who like kind of a uh, inspired by like mass movement theories of organizing so we use 
very much like arts and performance to create these big disruptive actions um which are more performance than anything else so i was very much involved in a bunch of actions targeting mcdonald's which were just giant open-air theater performances i would say and we spent more time working on props than probably anything else um and then yeah I've recently moved back to australia and are kind of trying to bring that work here um to a very i will say depleted animal rights movement um post covid so yeah trying to bring some of those those ideas and that energy back to the movement back home um which has been interesting so that's kind of where i'm at now um yeah well it's a hell of a journey holly thanks for that and thanks for um being up right now really appreciate it all right so Dan, I'm going to go to, to you. So you hail from Zurich, but I believe you're in England right now. Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Daniel. Uh, maybe some of you know me as Soya the Cow. This is my alter ego. Um, I'm 37 with a denim shirt and some not really well removed eye makeup around my face because I was in, uh, dressed up as a drag cow two days ago. Um, yeah, so for me my path came also from the arts where i was dealing with other topics um, um mostly with questions about like queerness and uh, sexual freedom or sex worker rights and through these kind of topics uh yeah it expanded like the question who has the right to control the sexuality of somebody else or the body of somebody else at some point, I just realized, wait, what about non-human animals? Why, why do we apply principles like consent only to, to humans? And once I made this shift, well, my whole world shifted. Uh, I, I became vegan and I made the first play about meat, which was like a requiem for all the animals without a name. And it was no success at all. I, we were censored in two theaters. Um, I also felt like I got lost in references and uh, I was scared of the reactions of the audience. I was scared to be too radical. At the same time, I I couldn't even convince my own team about my own conviction. So it was, yeah, there was something very difficult about it. Um, and after that experience, I had the desire to kind of be much more free and radical uh, in the way I stand for other animals. And I found inspiration in drag artists uh, who were defending, yeah, like queer rights or trans rights or like in an intersectional way with a lot of like, yeah, a lot of body power, let's say. I got inspired and I was like, wow, I need the same kind of fierce, uh, fearless attitude to speak about veganism. And so the idea was born to become a drag cow. That has been four years now. Uh, in the beginning, it was a bit part-time. We had COVID. And I would say now she's like my main activity. She took over my closet, my my life, <laughs> my mental health. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the cow, she's very present. Um, and I do, like, I try to bring her to all different contexts. Like, now it was an art walk. I did exhibitions, an album a lot of time in art context so I try to really go there because the voice for other animals is not so much present but I have also performed in context of protests with and for animal rights activists 
Oh, thanks, Dan. I love how soya is consuming your life. I think there's something interesting there about what performance can can do to a, do to an activist. I love the thought of her taking over your your wardrobe, especially. Um, well, leads us on really neatly to the idea of what 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 does performance mean in the context of animal rights? And Barbara, I just want to come to you first on this, but interested in hearing from all of you. You've been hailed by the co-founder of the Animal Save Movement as the Woody Guthrie that we need for animal rights. So it's a it's a hell of a hell of a hell of a lot of praise. But what does performance mean to you uh, personally in your work, in your activism, in the context of animal rights? On a personal level, it keeps me sane because it's um, it's a way of expressing my feelings. Um, I'm fortunate to have that outlet because. I'm sure a lot of people struggle. Um, anybody who's involved in the animal rights movement, um, you know, sort of, we need to talk to each other about, about how we feel, because I'm sure a lot of us struggle with our emotions, the roller coaster of emotions that we do feel. And very often when we're, we're, we're stood together doing any form of activism, you, you, feel, you feel safe and you feel part of something. And you, you can see who you're doing it for, the animals. Um, but it's maybe on the journey home that you you sort of um, almost like post traumatic stress. You know, um, that's not not too light a word for it because it really is. It isn't normal to sort of look into the eyes of animals who are who are heading to slaughter or to see the footage that that is being displayed if you're um, standing on the streets sharing footage and um, and sharing sharing the noises as well, the screams of the animals and hearing the screams of the animals. Um, so that's that's not a normal thing for people to put themselves up, up for without any any sort of support or backup. So on a personal level, for me, I feel fortunate that I have a creative outlet that I'm able to um, write my songs um, about how I'm feeling, what I'm observing, what I'm seeing, what I'm sharing. And um, for the animals, it's all for the animals. And... and um, and that that keeps me pretty much sane <laughs> on on one personal level. Um, on another level, I think it's it's really good to be able to to um, share that outlet, a creative outlet, to share my songs for people who perhaps haven't thought um, about animals in in the way that animal rights activists do. And when you become vegan, the way other people have really well described, you know, sort of the journey to becoming vegan. It's um, um, and, and you quite vividly remember all those little light bulb moments. And, and so I'm hoping to sort of perhaps make light bulb moments go off for other people. And, um, and I, I mean, one instance that, that, um, that strikes that I remember quite well is that I was uh, performing at, um, it, was, um, it wasn't a, a vegan event, it was sort of like, um, uh, an event where there was sort of quite a few vegan tables and things and people sort of giving out leaflets and I was performing my songs and a woman came over to me and she said oh um, your song just like us she said um, I've been I've been sort of working on my stall and, and sat sort of next to this animal rights stall and looking at the leaflets and, and they just sort of didn't really click with me but when I heard the song about animals being just like us, she said it really, it really touched me, and I, and that that sort of thing really makes, 
sort of makes my day, makes me feel oh, fantastic because that's what I hope to do, um, to plant seeds, um, to keep myself sane, to express how other people are feeling because a lot of activists who I stand with with the SAVE movement, when I wrote my song, I Saw You, um, after one of the SAVE events, um, it, it reduced other activists to tears because it was, yes, this is how I feel, you know, this I, I can identify with this. So I can't really remember what the question was. <laughs> I think I've gone off on, off on a bit of a tangent. But, um, yeah, it's it sort of... Um, my my outlet is is definitely writing the songs, singing the songs. I never get tired of doing it. Um, and every time I sing the songs, I, I feel the emotion, and I hope to share that with people. Set a few light bulbs, light bulb moments going off in their minds if they're not already vegan or haven't already thought about it. And uh, and I think music and any form of artivism, which I like to call it, is a fantastic way of doing it. Yeah, I love the concept of artivism, and yeah. uh, it's interesting that you're getting personal meaning from it, but also as a way to deal with your own trauma yeah. as well. So for anyone in the rest of the panel, what does performance mean to you personally in the context of the animal rights movement that we're all engaged in? Yeah, um, sort of following again on from what Barbara was saying, um, we've become from a very similar similar place. And what we're trying to do is, you know, kind of in line with each other, I think, um, you know, the performance, it just mental health wise, yeah, not only, you know, singing or performing of any sort of kind, you know, physically, it's, it's, it's good for you, it's good for your bodies, it's, but it's good for your mind. Um, on top of that, you know, you actually feel like you're doing something um, about the situation. You know, you're dealing with your own trauma around it, but you're also helping to spread the truth. Um, and I believe that uh, in, in my case, music is how I perform. Um, it's it's a really beautiful language that everyone understands. Um, and if you can put your message in, in music, I feel like it can be um, understood and sort of received a little better than if you were just speaking to somebody about it or you know um I think they can hear it a little better through music. Dan coming from a completely different perspective non-musical based what's your take on this how does how does uh what does performance mean to you in the context of your, your broader activism? Yes yeah, so I mean I also use music for part of it so I, I resonate a lot with what uh, Barbara and Jen were saying just before but at the same time, for me, there is maybe also like a very strategic element where I'm like, how can I, through the performance, fill like a void or a gap that, like or difficulties we have? First of all, is like the concerned animals will not be able in most of the times to join our protests. Um, or like we have like a, a problem of like... Uh, uh, trans transmitting is that the a correct word or translating maybe just translating uh, their suffering and their lives or their needs into 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 other people's brains <laughs> so there's a um and of course also the land and countryside and city gap like people in like are consuming in in, in supermarkets and restaurants uh, animal bodies why but they are very distant from the actual animals and so for me, yeah, like the take to create this this alter ego who who is a cow, 
uh, it allows somehow to to bridge some of these. Um, I can claim to speak from a perspective of a cow. Of course, uh, everybody understands that I'm not. Um, and at the same time, I also feel that like we can use performance to 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 disrupt, to create like um, something which is yeah like taking people out of their ordinary habits and in this opening of the disruption i think like interesting processes can happen um and this can be like a big animal rebellion uh, staged uh, protest performance uh, but it can also just be a, a song i think once we get this attention and the openness like that's the interesting place um and for me, the strategy with the character of Soya is also to, to just get the attention. Because basically when I have all this makeup and costumes and horns and latex others, I don't know, people will listen differently when otherwise they would just walk away and be like, oh, another activist annoying me. And they're like, who is that? What is this? And it's a lot of work every time, for example. It's really like uh, the, the makeup, the process. And it's sometimes I have this desire, oh, I wish I could do something much more simple, but I feel like it pays off because it creates this curiosity, even in people who otherwise would not have this opening. It's interesting that um, that idea of disruption and theatricality and how that can really have an impact on people on the outside of this looking in. Harley, you've got a you talked about your background in art and theatre, and you know you br you bring that to your work in developing a powerful movement for animals um, that you know, draws and learns from the dynamic and creative potential of performance. From your perspective, how, how can performance and disruptive narrative enhance the messaging for the, for the movement? Like I said earlier, I see performance and disruption as being very linked because I think a lot of the time performance and art is some kind of disruption. Like it's it's breaking people out of the normal everyday routine of their lives in order to get them to look at something or listen to something or connect with something. Like I feel like even just the the act of consuming a lot of art is kind of inherently disruptive um, a lot of the time. Like, you know, you go to the theatre or you go to an art gallery, you, you open a book, um, even listening to music, even though I feel like that can be a more passive kind of thing, it's it's in some way breaking into your brain. Um, so I see that as being kind of like the way we the way we view art and the way kind of art impacts us. I see as being very kind of linked to disruption. Um, so when I do think about like disruptive protest. Um, which is kind of, yeah, what I've been involved with, the idea of breaking the status quo um, and disrupting normalcy. I feel that's very linked to my ideas of art um, and how art has this like radical potential for social change. Um, mm. And I guess like one way I, I kind of think about it is just like people don't know, people can't know what what an alternative world could be like until you show it to them. Um, and I feel like a big issue in our movement um, is just the, the impossibility of imagining change. 
Um, and I feel this both from the outside when you're trying to communicate with people, but also sometimes from the inside as well, when you're talking to people in the movement. And, you know, you, you, I remember a friend of mine did a presentation once, which was about hope um, in the animal rights movement and recognizing that there's a severe deficit of hope um, and that a lot of activists, a lot of activists haven't even really developed their own vision of what, what's the word that we want? Like we want these industries to stop, but what do we want? Like what do we want the world to look like? Um, and a lot of that, like a lot of that's linked to trauma of just that, yeah, like um, people have already touched on, people are living in this traumatized state of being exposed to just unimaginable violence and suffering often on a daily basis. And you, know, you can't really see past that. Um, but yeah, I do see performance as being a really kind of powerful tool there um, of giving us this opportunity to project and show alternate visions that don't exist right now. Or maybe if they do, they exist in kind of like places where people aren't seeing. Um, so for example, like even just when Ben was talking earlier about, you know, having a micro sanctuary, I feel like that's like, an alternative vision of social change, which is a very kind of lived reality and important reality, but in its own way is a kind of performance of this idea of turning a home into a sanctuary. Um, I think like the way that we live as activists um, and as vegans, as people concerned with animal rights, people were trying to radically reimagine the world that we live in. Like, I don't know, I guess to, <laughs> not wanting to dive too deep into performativity, but you know, it, it's all performance in a way. Like we're, we're projecting an, another view of the world onto the existing view of the world and using that as a tool to kind of bridge uh, a gap of conscience or of ideology or of morality. Um, so yeah, I, I see that, I guess to kind of like sum it up, um I think of performance as being inbuilt into activism um and there can be performance activism like artivism I love that term um, as Barbara says um it can be you know making art around themes um of animal justice um but there can also just be the acknowledgement that everything that we do as activists is in a way this yeah performance of an another universe and I guess like my I always see my goal is making that alternate reality so irresistible that people have no choice but to say yes to it because really like it's it's just a better world like we can't um and if we can show people that if we can just create this irresistible future this irresistible version of reality where you know yeah animals aren't exploited um but it's just this kinder better more just world then I think we can really kind of bridge that gap to people of like well this is why we're fighting for this just thinking about that you know creation of a new vision of reality you know Jen your your works infused with you know powerful messages of truth peace love and compassion you're creating this vision of a kind of a better world through your music as well what's your perspective on the role performance can have in the movement in terms of affecting change in people? 
I think one of the coolest um most powerful um things about performance is you are stepping up and you are not only living your truth but you're sharing it uh and I really believe that we we uh, we you know we need to be the change that that for the you know for other people we need to be walking the walk and talking the talk uh leading by example uh, showing um you know how amazing veganism is um and and as a as a performer you know actually getting up there uh, um sharing your passion sharing your creativity in this uh powerful way i think it's quite inspiring um for vegans obviously for sure but also for non-vegans you know and it speaks a lot for a movement if you know people are willing to dedicate their lives or a, a large part of their lives for the cause um but for me it's it's the most important thing i do um to, you know stand for freedom for everyone animals and non-human animals human animals everyone we're all the same um and yeah I think performance is powerful and it, and it shows that we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're just going to shout louder. I like that. We're not going anywhere. It's going to get louder and louder. There's going to be more <laughs> drag animals in the streets. It's going to get worse for you. You need to start paying attention. <laughs> um, ben, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the performance activism you've been involved in, your theatrical side of things, the academic side of things. And, the the work you've done publicly that's seen you really kind of blurring the boundaries between the human and the animal through kind of quite grueling live performance work what do you think the the, the boundaries are for humans taking on the responsibility of representing animals yeah it's a really interesting question to grapple with i think and i don't really have an answer in the sense of um i mean it it it's been said, I'm sure you've all heard it before about um, this is the only movement where we're not having a conversation with the, a, a, a human conversation with, with, with the, with the oppressed. Um, and that's interesting. It's interesting in the case of how do we bring the non-human animal into the space um, and hear them um, from the perspective beyond the system that's in place. Um, and performance, I think, plays a, a really good role in that. Um, whether that's through songs, through performance art, through direct action. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, the representation. How do we not play in, how do we not fall into the trap of mirroring societal norms of sexual over-sexualization, like um, of cows in the dairy industry? I was just listening, I just saw an advert for the fridge milkshakes, which I used to love, by the way, I used to go at Asda at like two in the morning and get these chocolate fridge milkshakes and now i look at them and metaphorically spit and sometimes no i don't physically spit on the milkshakes but um but they open they open it and it goes and a really sexy moo and then it's like put it down it's like are you drinking my fridge and it's just like this complete um involvement of the animal but this kind of complete abstract sexual notion of the of the animal but obviously that's not animal rights activism but there are examples of of falling into that trap which I'm sure if you guys look back and think of it, there are some uncomfortable moments maybe. And sometimes I look back at what I do and I think, well, was that, was that right? How much, how much is it about, um, how much of the animal am I bringing in and how much am I, um, 
forcing thoughts upon a certain animal. So for example, I did my performance piece a couple of weeks ago or last week, um, looking at the anti-hunt and I was on a treadmill just as a sab, but there's definitely this notion that it was, I could also be the fox being chased. Um, but I didn't put on a bushy tail and I didn't put on, on some, I didn't cosplay a fox, but then I could have. And um, it'll be interesting to hear Dan's perspective, Daniel's perspective on this, because obviously he straddles this kind of um, interspecies space. Um, but I think it's a thing, I th it'll be interesting to hear what everyone thinks, but I think I grapple with that all the time, especially when I interact with my own non-human animals who I, who I live with. Um, I do funny voices for them and but and they're saying stuff, but they're not actually saying it. They're not like, yeah. So it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting space that we occupy. Um, and I wonder if that will change. How how would performance look in a vegan world? Would we be doing the same representations of animals we do now in our activism? I don't know. Something really interesting in there, isn't there, about what responsibility we have as as people involved in this movement to, to define what the new societal norms around this will be as well and kind of accepting that there's going to be some stumbles and falls along the way that we need to, to deal with and being accepting of that I think in other activists but yeah you, you pointed out Dan's work there and you know um, Dan your your artistic practice you know it exists as this form of intersectional activism and your work's increasingly focused on the relationships between humans and other animals. So what do you think of Ben's perspective there? And also, how does performance offer you the opportunity to explore the, uh, the animality in our, own, in our own species? Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts for me right now with everything that has been said. So one, one experience I've had uh, with the theatre director recently was I talked to him about Soya. It's a space that does a lot of like anti-racist work, queer work. Um, and uh, he was saying, we have this rule, nothing about us without us. So if we don't want to have artists working on a topic where they are not speaking from their own experience, where they're kind of colonizing maybe yes, somebody else's experience. And that it's in that sense a bit of problem if I would do my project there. And I was like, yeah, but this rule, it kind of comes to an end when we talk about non-human topics. Like we have environmental questions, we have the whole animal questions and like we will not be able to put a tree into this into this uh, theater space to, uh, yeah, to, to defend themselves. And so there is something where I feel like we are on, on a border where we, forcibly will do mistakes and I think we have to do these mistakes because otherwise we'll just not do anything and not doing anything is not an option in that sense um, I'd much rather have people criticize me for uh, kind of appropriating a cow's perspective which is definitely not mine um, but if I don't do it um, yeah then we just don't hear these voices which are there in, in these contexts, I think it's different if you visit a, a place where cows live, but they're not in the art context or not on the not in the supermarket alive. So um, for me also then the character, I think it's interesting to kind of be aware that we are playing. I think that's a, maybe a central part that we, we, we need maybe a distance and a certain also like irony 
for me like there's something if if we over identify with the perform performing the animal or the other animal i think it can be quite cringy sometimes i've also been witnessing these kind of performances where i thought ah so yeah it's hard to put into words precisely what it is but um for me the intersectional part with with different uh, there's different lines i would say like um, I, I sometimes say soya is gender and species bending, which sounds a bit like a like a funny tagline. But I really believe that we need to break up all these binaries of of human and animal, of male and female, alive and death, nature and culture, uh, and many others. Because in the end, these 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 polar thinking has been the root of so much uh, violence and oppression. So um, yeah, that that's that's what I, I I'm I'm interested in at the moment. And rather than asking what makes us different, we can ask what do we have in common. And there is so much, and that's that would be this this animality for me. Um, and reminding those we interact with, be it be it activists, uh, audience, uh, slaughterhouse workers, or farm manager, who knows what. Like if we can remind them of 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 this animality somehow through our performances i think then we have reached a great thing does anybody else have any any thoughts on that it's an interesting subject isn't it about how we 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 can inadvertently or deliberately appropriate animals in our in our in our work barbara what do, what what's your thoughts on that how do you feel about this concept of us taking on the the animals animals voice without consent and, and running with it what how do you feel what's what sparked it for me what with what dan was saying was that uh, you know i'm very much a believer in oneness that we are you know that's that's the goal oneness we are we need to recognize that you know that we're all earthlings and uh, and you know ego gets in the way of a lot of things and that it's better to sort of to speak out than say nothing um my songs are usually from my perspective. Um, I haven't, I haven't written anything from um, this perspective of uh, of of, uh, of the non-human animal. But um, you know, it's it's mainly the way the way I'm feeling and the way I'm sort of expressing myself about it. But yeah, it's 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 you just got to keep learning and growing and uh, and recognizing that we are all animals we are all earthlings and and um you know we, everybody has the right to exist you know sort of on their own level really um not quite sure what else to say really apart from that just um yeah that uh, animals have a voice we're just not listening most of the time yeah well, thinking thinking about your work, Barbara. So going back to this idea of artivism, you know, that, that is a way to reach out and to you know be heard, to offer empathy and support to others who are perhaps sharing the same feelings. Just just focusing on your own work, how can how do you see creativity and performance as an outlet and motivator for for activists? Well, as an outlet, as I said before, it's it's a way of keeping yourself sort of saying or expressing those emotions and uh, and as a motivator I think it's it's great when somebody sort of touches on your wavelength and you can say yeah I feel that way too and it's reaching a part of the soul um, I think you know any form of art or music 
um, just reaches a part of your own soul and somebody else's that that um, that perhaps just reading something yourself or watching something on a screen doesn't. So, so I think it's it's a really good way to move forward. You know, to to always have that expression, to be able to share that expression, and, and for other people to to sort of spark that feeling as well. That you know that recognition about what you're saying. You know, I think very much so. It's it's a huge part. Yeah. Um, Jen, I'm just thinking, jumping off from what Barbara's saying there, I'm thinking about your, your kind of journey, you know, you spoke about becoming vegan after learning the truths surrounding the industry and, and dealing with all of that, you know, emotion that comes with that. And like many people out there, you'll have felt the psychological burden of, of, of those truth, truths, like I'm sure we, we all have. From, from your perspective, how do you think performance can support individuals, whether activists or not, um, emotionally? Um, I, I do believe um, that, you know, as a, on a personal level and, and for people who are the performers, I, I think that the physical act of getting out what's in your head uh, is incredibly important. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's the... How I, why I, partly why I see performance as, as being so important for the performer, um, sort of uh, similar to to um, on a similar topic. Um, the performance side, I really believe, goes with other you know the, the other ways of uh, showing up for animal rights. Um, I believe that collaboration is is super uh, powerful. Um, so my performance um, alongside, say, um, art, artwork from somebody or a, vi somebody, a video somebody's put together um, for animal rights. Uh, yeah, I think that, that yeah, I, that's possibly not quite answering the question, but that's what I wanted to say about um, performance in terms of other activists can um, work with what I'm doing to create something that we couldn't have done on, on our own. Um, and, and often uh, activists will use my songs or the animal rights songs that we've written um, for their street activism work or um, to put behind a video that they've made um, or a poem or, or anything like that. Um, and, and I think, you know, if, if the intention is, is there um, and you, you have, the same intentions and the same goals um it can be yeah powerful and and therapeutic for the for the artists as well and the animal rights uh, artists and activists it's fascinating that idea of kind of open source activism isn't it and that you're happy with your your music being used as long as it's being used with good intentions it's being used to further the movement yeah um, how do the, the, the rest of you in the room feel about that, about people taking your work and reusing it, appropriating it, presumably for the, for the good? Yeah, I think there can be real value in that. I, I remember very briefly created this green agents thing. Harley might remember because I kind of gatecrashed one of the actions dressed as a, a green agent from the future. I remember but, uh, the green agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of came up and were like, we're from the future, from this department of, the government that was invented to make sure there's a just and sustainable plant tran plant-based transition so the government created us and we were like there to like support the police shutting down the bank so it kind of twists it on its head and i think things like that are perfect because th the idea was it's just me being lazy in a way and i should still do it 
is set up a website with all the resources on and what we did and just say, there you go. That's what we did. And this is the premise of it. Just take it and run with it. And how cool would that be? Kind of just like green agents just pop, like popping up uh, and just doing stuff. Um, so I think things like that are really cool. Uh, even things like um, loads of, loads of drag, drag into species, animals coming out of the woodwork as i was talking to daniel about like in the uk about the fox and how could it be if there was a, a drag fox going out sabbing and just like really confusing the hunt and they're like they don't know what to do because it's such a macho kind of thing and it's this sassy fox just in heels in the mud and there's this kind of template we can use and i think i think i think that's an exciting avenue to explore for sure um from a performance, from a theatrical point of view, um, I think the songs that Barbara and Jen write are just such incredible anthems anyway in their own right to just be played anywhere and such like a, a communal kind of, you can sing along to them and and they play such a vital role in, in mobilising. And then there's this kind of spectrum of performance where we can replicate or be be moved to, to take action. So... Um, I think definitely. I think definitely that there should be more of it. But again, I said that and I haven't done what I said I was going to do. So it's partly my fault. I do love that idea of confusion as a tactic, though. I think uh, I love the thought of that fox running around with a bunch of sabs and everyone just being baffled and the whole, the whole thing's called off. Daniel, you're pretty happy with the emergence of other, other performers doing what you do. I mean... Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's the beauty in our movement. Like we all hopefully understand that like none of us is going to achieve animal liberation by themselves. So, um, yeah, no, it's I think like if we can, that's almost even the test for me. Like if something is worth pursuing, like does it have the potential to to benefit and to multiply and and yes. Yeah, so every everybody who is into becoming a drag animal part of the family uh, do it and reach out and uh yeah it can be other cows anything uh, that would be hilarious and fantastic of course <laughs> yeah i've got a question here from from the crowd that i'm just going to throw in because I, I was going to keep it till the end but i think this one's pertinent for now if each of you had to choose a drag animal what would it be i mean i'll definitely i'll definitely be the fox sorry to interrupt that's no. I, want, I want to be i want to be foxy deluxe that's what i want to be it writes itself <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, I think what Daniel's done is 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 really uh, clever and important because obviously the dairy industry is just so horrific and such um, it's interwoven so crazily into our society and into the products we buy and the food that we buy from the supermarkets, um, and obviously with the the. It's kind of at, at the moment um, in the past year, I, I, I felt very passionate, passionately about um, um, being topless and, and um, desexualizing, if that's the word, uh, female breasts, because there's absolutely no difference aside from we give life to babies. There's no difference at all. And I think it's... Um, how they are sexualized is uh, one, one of our downfalls as a society. And I think um, the, the way he's, he's chosen to be Sawyer the Cow 
I think it's quite important um, for that movement as well, because obviously, um, uh, you know, um, oppression, oppression on, on women is very heavily linked to the dairy industry and to us taking the milk meant for babies and, you know, sexualizing breasts. And, and as I think, um, Ben, did you say about the, the, you know, advert being quite sexualized? It's, it's all, you know, interwoven. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't really have a drag animal myself, but I just want to give props to Daniel for, for picking Sorry the Cow, because I think, yeah, it's on many levels, it's brilliant. No, it's interesting as well. You, I know, Dan, you, you touched on this earlier, but in the 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 bringing into sectionality into your work, and you know how we've seen intersectionality come into into the movement over the past few years as well. I think it's been quite a, a turning point over the past few years for people seeing a broadening of the perspective of people within animal rights and the work we do in the context of kind of broader social justice movement. Um, do, do you feel a bit of responsibility? with the, the work you do around that, around a responsibility beyond the animal rights movement? I mean, from my side, I mean, I'm, I'm a queer man. I definitely feel like that's also my community. Um, and I'm also like, I've been inspired and mentored and uh, like who I am is thanks to the women in my life, I would say. So I also feel very, uh, aligned with like the feminist movement and other social justice movements as well like there's so many of them and they all are about like yeah validating some forms of life more than others and I think it's not only our responsibility as, as animal rights activists to think along these these other issues because um, if you stand for liberation we have to liberate all animals including the humans but also it's it's such an interesting place to engage in conversations i know it from my community let's say if i'm in a in the queer community and people have these slogans like born this way or like they they the the, the slogans the, the the ways of thinking you just have to open it a little bit and then we are in the middle of animal rights and I think by showing that we support other movements, we also can create, um, yeah, alliances. And and the it's I think it's absolutely central. And it's also it does it deeply moves me. I mean, I'm I'm very concerned with what humans experience as well. So there's something really interesting in there, isn't there, about a perspective beyond our own work about the broader strategic aims or where we're going as a movement and thinking about the, the strategic side of things, um, Harley, I'd just like to come, come to you because you, your work really puts you at the heart of strategic development within the, the animal and climate justice movement and thinking about performance itself and the work you do, how do you think performance can best be used as a, a strategy within the movement? How, how can it be used to, to further those broader strategic aims? Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's a good question, um, a big question. Um, and I definitely feel like, I think it's like something Daniel said earlier is that, yeah, you know, no one can achieve animal liberation on their own. But I think even like to broaden that out, it's like we don't know how we're going to achieve animal liberation. Like we've never done it before. So I think like when I, that's my very much my approach to strategy 
Um, and I actually, one of the more recent kind of ideas that I've been kind of developing, I, I talked about at a, a symposium recently, um, which it's been in my head for a long time, which was exploring how, yeah, the cultural and creative industries and like social movements are very much the kind of the same kind of system. And a big part of that um, is this defining principle of that nobody knows what's going to be successful until it is. Like you can have all the available information before you write a piece of music or, you know, make a movie or create a piece of art. Um, you can know what's worked before, what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked. But really kind of when you create a piece of art and then put it out into the world, um, you don't know, you can't, you just, you, you don't have that like ironclad, yes, this is going to resonate with people and this isn't. And sometimes it can be really surprising. Um, I think it's really similar with social change um, in that we can have all the knowledge about past social movements, um, what's worked, what hasn't, what strategies have led to where. But when we kind of try and create cultural intervention um, through, through like social movement organizing, we don't know what's going to spark that like cultural resonance and what's just going to disappear. And we've seen that with social movements. We've seen these moments um, and like in social movement literature, there's something called like moments of the whirlwind where just everything blows up and suddenly there's so much energy around a topic. Um, and those triggers for those moments are so hard to predict. Um, so I definitely think the more people doing different things um, and kind of like building a movement which is supportive of different ways and different approaches, because I feel like there can be, and I th in my experience with the movement, there can be this kind of very, I guess, fixation on finding the right thing of like this tactic is what we should be doing and anyone who's doing anything else is wrong um, and we spend so much time and energy trying to convince each other why we should be doing the same thing that I feel like we lose this opportunity for this like really like I guess this like flourishing of different things happening um, and not knowing what's going to happen and what's going to build on what so I definitely see performance as being part of that, I guess, that there's like performance is flourishing. It's ideas transforming into images and words and movement. And it's, you know, in a lot of ways, just like that pure creative energy um, being projected out there and then impacting people. So I think like performance is an opportunity to kind of just test ideas as well. And I think that um, conversation earlier about like, you know, uh, collaboration and, you know, take, using other people's work and things like that. I feel like that's so important to me because, so a lot of the work that I've done has been on messaging um, of trying to kind of, you know, find the right words trying to find the, the three word slogan that's going to capture a whole idea um, trying to figure out the, same, the, the story that we're trying to tell and how to um, how to communicate that and you know the ultimate goal with a message is that someone's going to pass it on like you're trying to create a meme essentially you're trying to create this endlessly repetitive um, idea that just kind of gets spread and loses any sense of ownership 
um, of like, I think all of our goals would be that our work or our ideas just are out in the universe and no one's remembering, oh yeah, that's that thing that Daniel did or Daniel said, like, it's like, no, this has just become so ingrained in our world that it's, um, it loses that sense of origin. So I see performance and art as being this like breeding ground of ideas where we can test what's going to work, what's going to, what's going to strike this like cultural resonance for people, what's going to, what's going to inspire other people's creative creativity. Like I think the ultimate kind of, yeah, like achievement of our goals, like I, I think of this with like actions as well. Like when we, I know with like McDonald's stuff that we did in the UK, it was so fantastic to see, you know, we'd do a big disruptive action, we'd use certain imagery, um, certain words, and then to see that repeated around the world, like people using the same imagery, the same words. And for me, that's like the ultimate sign of success of that people have taken this idea and it's done something to them and then they've transformed it and they've spread it and shared it. So yeah, I think performance is just this big like, yeah, petri dish of ideas and ultimately trying to strike upon that I those certain things that are gonna then spread. It's interesting thinking about the um the spread within the movement, but then the the spread beyond the movement as well and how people who aren't on our side or in the movement yet uh, feel about what we do. And I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of Dan here and the way that um your projects in particular, you know, they they question social norms power relations across a, a range of fields, sexuality, human, animal rights. H how do you think performance activism can influence public perception of the movement? And kind of what, what, what responsibility do we have as activists to be conscious of how we're affecting that public perception? Yeah, so I think there's just a huge difference of where we're seen and by whom or who is addressed. Um, and I think that's maybe also something that in the animal rights movement, we are sometimes a bit confused by, like, do we create and share content for convinced vegans? Do we share it? Do we hope that, I don't know, we have an Instagram channel with lots of slaughterhouse footage, like, that we understand, like, who is actually watching that and what we want to achieve with, with this? I think it's a very uh, thin line in, in, in a world where we all battle for attention. Um, so um, I think like these more disruptive actions of activists on the streets or in front of a restaurant, I think they have a very different uh, effect than let's say um, work which is maybe for the animals directly or work which is for the activists or work which is more just a necessity as self-expression or of healing. We, we, and I think all of us know these different aspects because we not only we perform in different situations. Um, for me, um, my strategy is in the way that I want something which is joyful. I love what Harley said about being irresistible. That really resonated to me um, in the sense that like, if we are as a movement full of like aggressivity and violence, it's not inviting, it's not... Uh, but I understand that some people have to have this role as well. I don't, I don't want to deny it. I think that, again, we need the multitude. Did I answer the question? That's a good question. <laughs> Somebody else? Yeah, it's interesting getting everyone's perspectives on this because you're all, you're all variously performing 
you know, to, to a public and you're all coming from a very different angle artistically. So I'm thinking of um, Barbara and uh, you know, Jen here coming in as the Aras musical artists. To what extent do you feel any sort of pressure to, to reach out beyond activists to the general public? I mean, to what extent is public validation beyond the movement important to your, to your work? Yeah, just it's really interesting. Um, I'm thinking there's so many spokes to the wheel. There really are. And at the end of the day, I think you just have to be genuine. You have to be yourself. And nothing fires other people up as much, I think, when they can, as when they can see that somebody is shining their own light, is being themselves. And, um, and that is a very attractive thing. You know, even if, if a member of the public doesn't necessarily agree with what you're saying, and they can see you're genuine, you have passion and belief, and, um, and there's nothing false about it. It's coming from a, a pure place. Um, you know, they can respect that and, it, and they can hear you, I feel. You know, so, and as I say, there's many spokes to the wheel. Um, some people might say, well, I'm not going to listen because you're not saying it the way I want to hear it. But um, that's okay, it'll, it'll reach somebody else, you know, and, and as long as it sparks a little seed, uh, a reaction, that's the main thing. But um, yeah, I think, I think coming back to that saying of being the change you want to see in the world and being passionate and being yourself um, is the best way to get any message across because um, you can't be anybody else and you can't be everything. You know, we can always always be just part of a little spoke on a wheel and be a genuine part. That that's all that matters, and that's going to reach. Um, it's it's not about um, you know sort of ticking boxes and, and and saying yeah I've reached these amount of people. It's just it's just um, allowing yourself to be and and hoping that you'll be an inspiration along the way to to make the world a better place. And it's all for the animals, um, and it's all about the animals and. Um, and and that's that's a way of getting something positive from from what we're doing is to think that who you're doing it for you know and uh, and hoping that you're going to make a positive difference to the world by by sort of sharing your message, shining your light. Jen, what responsibility do you feel to the public beyond the animal rights world? Yeah, I think Barbara said pretty much everything. Um, but I would just extend extend that and just say, if you're living it in your truth and you're sharing your passion, you can't go wrong. There's nothing you can do wrong. If you're living true to yourself um, and moving with the right intentions, that's all you can do. And that's all, that's your only job. It isn't your job to change anybody's mind. Um, you know, that's out of your control, but you just need to, to be true to yourself and yeah, just live in that and live it, live it and breathe it. This is all getting very inspirational. Go on, Ben. Yeah. Just to echo those two, the, uh, <laughs> those two points in the sense of, um, I was talking to Daniel about this the other day. Um, I was having one of my many rants, um, and there's very much a case of, for me personally, I don't know how you guys feel of, it's such a desperate situation that you want to do everything. And you, you're both right, Bob and Jen, the sense of you, you do what you're good at because that's how you stay sane, but it's also that's how you contribute to the movement. You can't do everything. And I think there is a tendency for activists to want to do everything. And I've definitely felt that a lot just because 
first off, who else is going to do it? Which a lot of people will do it. It's just we get so wound up. But also, it's such a desperate situation. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a really good point to knuckle down on as a sense of of doing what you're good at and what you love and passionate about, and it will stick because it won't stick otherwise. If you're just doing something, if I'm doing something that's just not aligned with what I'm passionate about wholly, um, it's just not going to stick. It's just going to be half half a job. And Ben, you're carving out a very specific kind of academic, very research-oriented niche for yourself and kind of looking, you know, we were looking outwards at public perception there, thinking about kind of turning inwards now and looking at ourselves and the work we do. Um, what what assumptions or, or biases do performative activists need to be conscious of? What do they need to recognise and, and, and work with in order to... to to be effective to to achieve what they want to do yeah the big the big um what's it called again when you stand on a on a box and speak it's called again so my soapbox yeah my soapbox is um that performers need to recognize their power in the movement and and the the movement needs to harness that uh, again that's me being slightly bitter in the sense of I'm not I'm not doing I'm not making those websites I said I should do but um I believe this should be more of a a closer and Harley said it this kind of closer kind of intertwining of understanding that activism is performance but also understanding that performance is a strategic tool um as a performer or as a creative as well um I think there's a lot of creative stuff happening yeah biases assumptions and biases I'm not sure. Really. I think, I think it is just recognizing what you want to explore as a as a creative, and keep exploring that. And as was been mentioned before, is this mis- mistakes equals movement. So it's it's okay we're making mistakes, and it's all coming from a good place. I think there's an interesting, an interesting space in the sense of that we we feel that there's a definitely impending thing of we don't have enough time. Um, so from me from a personal point of view is this I don't know how you guys feel but before before I was an activist I always was a perfectionist and I still got that in my head a bit but it needs to be polished it needs to be done and ready but as an activist you can't do that you can't afford to polish and try and polish and try and polish and try um, so there's an interesting thing there of fighting against desperate to get the work out there so it can be memeable as Arnie said or or it can or can catch, but also doing it well enough for it to be memeable. So there's a fine balance there as well. You can I, I'm a perfect example of you can think too much about it and it just doesn't work, um, or you can think not enough about it and it won't work. Um, so yeah, I think it's being aware of that, aware of your own practice, your own process. And I think that's a big thing of my research in the sense of being aware of your process as much as the output you have but looking at the process of creating is really important does that make a bit of sense yeah I mean, you really touched on you know what holly was talking about earlier with the there's a lot in there around this permission to fail you know and just and just getting stuff out there and just and just you know we all learn from it there's no such thing as a failed test you know there's only knowledge that we gain from the testing and holly thinking about the the, the work you do sort of coming off of ben's point there i mean from your perspective strategically what what challenges do performative activists face doing this work that, that need to be solved? Yes, good one. Um, just to go back quickly on the idea of failure as well. Um, 
I remember I was working on something, which is yeah, this, the thing I was talking about earlier about like um cultural move, cultural change and social change being really linked. And I'd written something which was a kind of an idea that comes from like cultural and creative theory, which was that like yeah, like a small number of hits. Um, there's like I got kind of like a small number of hits. Um, comes out of like this massive like number of flops of like you end up with a huge number of flops and a very small number of hits and I was kind of writing something about that and a friend um was reading my ideas and kind of like suggested a rephrasing um of rather than thinking about it of like yeah it's just such a tiny number of successes um put against a massive number of failures of kind of rephrasing it and like rephrasing it in my mind as well of it being a, a large number of failures are needed in order to find that small number of successes and I feel like that really like shifted the way I thought about things um, it was such a small kind of suggestion but it really kind of like flipped things for me of rather than seeing failures as being exactly that like not striking upon the right thing doing something wrong um rather than seeing it as like that, instead seeing it as like, well, this is what is needed in order to eventually get the thing that's going to work. Um, and yeah, like definitely when I was working with Animal Rebellion um, and when I've been working with any group, there is just a massive, a massive amount of things that just don't work. Um, like we did so many things which never even ended up happening because of whatever reasons, um, you know, months of planning, and then just nothing um, or yeah kind of things that happened and then fell flat or completely flopped or got backlash um, and you know it's kind of like a a big I know in the work that I've done I've, um, I've talked about needing artistic leadership in social movements both because you know we need people who can think creatively and build creative kind of constructs but also because like so much of activism is resilience and no one has more resilience than artists in so many ways. Like I feel like we're, you know, um, just used to living in this kind of uncertain, unsure landscape where you can put months or years of unpaid labor into something and then just see it flop um completely and then the next day be back at it building the next thing so I think um I've kind of forgotten the question but um I think I've answered a different question um so yeah I definitely I definitely think that kind of like resilience and that commitment to going back and trying again um is incredibly critical to social change and it's something that is just in it's it's kind of like an it's a part of being an artist as well so I feel like that's like it's a very transferable skill and the more artists we have in social movements the more people but you know you get a banker in a social movement and I've seen I've seen this happen people coming from corporate backgrounds and some of them are fantastic some of them are completely amazing um, but some of them just can't deal with the uncertainty of this thing of being like but we work so hard and it's like yeah and now we just got to scrap all that and move on to the next thing. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really powerful kind of tool that we have in our toolbox um, to be able to apply to the movements that we're building. It's interesting, isn't it? That idea of resilience 
it's, it just feels so important to, to, to activists generally, but particularly people who are coming from an artistic performance perspective. You know, it's one thing to be standing on the street, talk to people about veganism or holding a banner. It's another to be putting yourself out there artistically and um, exposing yourself like that. Um, what, what does everyone else feel about that idea of resilience? Does that resonate with, with your own work? Jen, how, how, does that, how does that resonate with you and, and, and your creative output? Is resilience important to you? I mean, as I was saying before, you just gotta, you just gotta, just move and 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 create and be and um, move with the the right intentions. And it, it's no, I just don't. I feel that if you if you do that, it doesn't for me personally. And I, I you know, I've, I've had all the conversations that everyone has with non vegans and people who are trying to you know make themselves feel better by putting us down and I've realized you know it, not, nothing can affect me anymore no one can because it's not even I don't even think about it I'm just being true to myself and just using what the gifts that I've been given to try and make this world a better place so people can say literally whatever they want and it doesn't I don't I don't mind like and I realize that yeah as I say now like a lot of the time when people are attacking you um it's because of their own insecurities or their own guilt um so it's trying to work with that and see, try and you know make it a positive um experience for them so that you can actually try and help them th through this you know guilt that we all experience um it's just as vegans we're actually now trying to do something about it Barbara, I've seen you enthusiastically nodding there. Does that resonate with, with you too? That idea of just getting on with it, you know, speaking your truth, let the haters be damned. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with what Jen said. I mean, because it, um, I mean, we all evolve, we all change, we all grow. But, um, and I think once you realise that, yeah, this is my truth and it's right and you, you know it, you're living it then you have that resilience and it's you're not so much dragged down by what other people are saying and and um and uh if they're disagreeing with you that's okay if they want to say the sky is yellow that's fine you know that's okay um that's your perspective but once you're sure of your own truth and you just live in that then it it helps with that resilience definitely um but i think it's a process to get there and uh and it's it's um, you look back and you, and you see what 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 a rocky road it's been to, to sort of to reach that point to know that yeah this is my truth and it's okay and I'm living it and um, and if you if you're ready to hear it, that's good you know because the more people that do it for the animals it's great you know the world's going to be a better place but if you're not ready to hear it I remember. Joey Carvstrong saying that you could just be like that tiny percent of somebody's 100% change. You know, you're not going to do it all in one conversation, but you, you know, we've, we've all, if you think where we've all come from, you know, we've, um, I was brought up, you know, sort of um, eating animals and, uh, you know, not thinking about it. And it's been a long, long process, you know, to get where I am today. So um, I think we have to not forget that, that, um, it's been a huge learning curve that we've we've evolved and uh, and that any everybody is capable of of that um, and it's just getting that message out there in whatever way you can so it can be heard 
and the more genuine way you express that message, the more likely it is to be heard. Yeah, it's a real embrace of, of, of process, isn't it? And Ben, you, you mentioned earlier that, that idea of really getting to grips with the process being the thing almost rather than the end result. How, how does this resonate with your work in terms of resilience? Yeah, I think it's really important. I think, yeah, again, going back to my process in the sense of the more I've done this research, the more I realise that my practice and a lot of people's practice, and I can definitely resonate with Barbara and Jen's, is this kind of moving within this kind of using my art to explore my own experiences and kind of, um, and that's how the message will come across because of of exploring my own experience, exploring my own trauma. And going back to um, what Barbara said at the very beginning, Jen's also mentioned it, of this kind of, this creative output being a form of healing and a form of um yeah of an empowerment and this kind of keeps you sane and i think that's a really interesting strategical point as well in the sense of so many activists suffer burnout and whether that's a case of is it because we haven't found our well obviously one of the i've suffered burnout for sure in the sense of it feels hopeless a lot of the time and there's so much trauma and we're living in that and we're submerged in that constantly every day we're reminded it's the back of our heads all the time but is it the case that of this kind of creative process or a passion process that we are coping with it and building resilience because we have this form of outlet i'm not saying we're creative so we're better than everyone else i don't mean that i mean creativity is a perfect mirror for that i mean there'll be people who bake amazing cakes that as another creative outlet or or great speakers or or video editors or and they're finding this this um output to stay sane and stay resilient um and recognizing that as a strategy in our own activism is really interesting and really something that i'm interested in in again it's about process looking at a process and how is it helping us and how can we tweak it to make us even more effective and more resilient as well yeah, I think there's something in there, isn't there, about that, that inward focus on making ourselves better, more resilient, more open to failing and learning that can help us break through more with the public, you know, that can make us more effective as activists. And I'm thinking particularly about the, I was, I was really thinking about the idea of breaking through there and thinking about Dan's work in particular, which from the outside looking in for many people is, is quite transgressive and provocative. And I think what boundaries and taboos can performance and album rights be used to explode or or break through what's what's what are the frontiers that we can break through here with with performance so for me i think one really important boundary and i think we have mentioned it many times is this one between art and activism or also maybe activism and entertainment um, that we manage through creative ways of doing what we want to do we manage to kind of yeah get into spaces where otherwise we wouldn't exist uh where we would, nobody speaks about animal rights basically and um i think that's that's a something i think we can become even much better um that we really find ways to, to yeah to be heard in from parliament to big newspapers to uh, the board of a big bank i don't know like that that we learn how to creatively make ourselves heard in spaces where otherwise we don't exist 
and another element for me would be to find to find a way to be confrontational but like in a maybe compassionate way or something like this um and that's something i've been struggling and i'm still struggling a lot like this do i want to have this discussion again or should i say something should i not say something and and um i think the performativity of these also the all these conversations we lead in in our families our teams with our friends um in with our collaborators um if we learn to to do this more lightheartedly and more efficiently that we can i think we can just be better activists and more lighthearted human beings um so i think there yeah there's a lot to 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 in my own practice also i've been learning because i was in such a despair space for and soya was kind of my outlet to to have a positive vision, to to be optimistic when I was actually just like, I just read another book about, I don't know, fishing industries and I don't want to leave my bed. And um, yeah, how can we like, yeah, lift each other up and grant, grant ourselves uh, beingness that we are allowed to just be animals on this planet as well. That's fantastic. It really ties back, I think, to what Barbara and Jen were saying earlier about being ourselves and I love that idea as well as well about confrontational compassion. I think I've I've not heard that one. It's a it's an interesting approach because I think a lot of it is just confrontation. So to to bring that compassion and not to not lose it as well when we're engaging with people, I think is is really important. Beyond where you're all at now, what's the the next stage for you all creatively? Where do you want to go next from from where you are now? Yeah, for sure. I feel like this is a hard question for me to answer because I never seem to be able to know what I'm going to be doing in the future. Um, so since I've come back, so I, I got back to Australia in May, which was a very interesting transition um, to go from yeah working full time for Animal Rebellion, so just immersed in that, um, to then kind of move countries um I started studying so I'm doing my master's at the moment and then in typical me fashion kind of dove into working with a whole bunch of different groups here and then of over time well over a few months that I've been several months that I've been back kind of taken on too much and then started pairing back to what I actually want to be doing um, but it's in a completely different direction to anything that I've done before um, always focused on animal justice of course but just like not yeah not what I imagine myself doing so I, I I see I guess in the future I see myself always kind of bringing in the elements of performance and I do hope to start I guess bringing what I learned from the UK about creating these like disruptive colorful um visual actions um back home but I also, I see, I guess I see finding new ways of telling stories um, and of trying to tell the stories of animals. Um, so in Australia, it's a very different movement to the movement that I was used to in the UK. Um, there's a lot of, you know, commonalities, but there's, I guess, the history of animal rights in Australia is kind of a bit different um, and it comes from a different place and it's 
very like, grounded, the, like the core of animal rights here is very much based on exposing um, injustice in a very kind of like visual sense. Like a lot of the movement here is very based in investigative work. Um, a lot of it's based in, you know, the kind of early work of animal liberation and doing open rescues and then the kind of later work of groups um, kind of, yeah, going in and then using footage to kind of show the realities of farming and then trying to create culture shift that way. And I think that's been really powerful, but I feel like we're starting to hit this wall with people I just switch off when they see graphic imagery um, because they've seen it before or they are just kind of numb to everything in the world. So I think like the biggest question for me at the moment um, and the thing that I think I'm trying to explore in my work is how do we, how do we yeah, find these, find creative ways of telling the stories of animals who are caught in the system? Um, and I think, yeah, like, you know, the work that Daniel does, the work that Ben does, um, I'm not as familiar with the work of Barbara and Jen, but I will be definitely looking both of you up after this, so I'm looking forward to that, um, but I think, yeah, like, that, that way of using our tools as activists um, to create pathways into the lives of other animals, I think is really powerful, um, so I think that's definitely probably on the cards for me of trying to figure that out um, in the context of Australian animal rights um, and trying to also, I guess, get better. Something I've been wanting to do for a while is get better at building more like, like long-term campaigns um, that extend on from, yeah, these big, bold, flashy actions um, that then actually like expand that out into, well, what is the, what is this, what is the goal here? What are we trying to kind of shift? And then if that doesn't work, how can we try another angle? So Yeah, it sounds like you've got your hands full. Barbara, what's your next creative frontier? Keep doing what I do and do it well um, and evolve in that way. But for me, I, I feel it's helping people to see each animal as an individual rather than a mass of animals, you know, that each animal has one precious life and is one individual. If you think of the power that um, the turtle with a plastic straw up, up, up the nose, that the effect that that had on banning plastic straws, you know, sort of everybody was like, oh no, we don't like that poor turtle, we'll ban the plastic straws. And I think it's like um, helping, you know, I would like to help people to recognize that animals are all individuals. They all have their each, each has their own personality. Each has one precious life. Um, just evolve organically as I can, do what I can, um, be supportive to other activists um, that I'm, I'm involved with or that even that I don't know. And, um, you know, try and be with my tribe, to, you know, to, to sort of give me strength and, and to offer strength to, to other people. Um, yeah, to, to just be part, part of uh, the animal rights movement to, to, to know that, you know, this is, you know, to, to focus and evolve and, um, and just, and just sort of keep, keep on sharing the story, keep on doing what I do best um, in, in the, in whatever way I can really, and be the best I can. <laughs> Jen, where are you going next? 
my my so the album I released um a few months ago it, it started off as an animal rights album um and then over the last couple of years it's transitioned from an animal rights album into an animal rights and human rights album uh, because we are all one and humans are not going to be free until the animals are free um, and I've realized that my job here is to or part of it anyway is to empower the people because the reason that we uh, hurt animals and eat animals is because we've just been lied to we've been completely disempowered uh, and you know society are getting more and more unhealthy more and more unhappy um and you know happy people don't hurt other people and happy people don't hurt animals and I, I believe that innately we do not want to hurt animals we don't want to take a life away especially when it's so unnecessary um so I am now moving forward trying to make people happy um you know give them back their power that they've been uh, stripped from them from the the day that that we're born we're lied to um and we're put into these little boxes um and i feel passionately about sharing that truth and um, helping people get out of it um and yeah my songs are, are, are moving forward into more um uplifting songs and songs that you can move to you can dance to you know because that 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 supports the the health side of things and you know physically moving as i said before it's actually it really helps you mentally so if you're moving you're going to be feeling better and you know that then vibrates out to the rest of the world you know the more happiness we can bring in to the world then that's just going to help help the animals human animals but you know our animal brothers and sisters as well more gorgeous positivity there thanks jen <laughs> uh dan what's next and where do we where do we go what's next for sawyer what's next beyond sawyer where where are you headed yeah so and sawyer has quite some nice projects coming up so uh, this is i'm very happy with that i feel like after the covid kind of time a lot of seeds that have been planted and waiting for a long time they're kind of starting to blossom um my curiosity with soya would be to bring her somehow to tv i'm working on that i think she would work really well as a tv character just in the idea of reaching more audience and reaching like a completely random audience so i i think that would be something i'm really interested in um but I'm from Switzerland, so, you know, it's a bit different. <laughs> we don't have the BBC. Um, and then I also work at the moment on a project which is a bit complementary. I was just realizing my network is very good in the Swiss art world. So rather than just doing art in this context, I now uh, uh, try to get the whole art scene in Zurich, my hometown, but also uh, beyond in Switzerland to go plant-based. Because if they want to do more than just like greenwashing talk um, and take sustainability goals seriously, that's like a logical step. So my vision would be to kind of, yeah, hopefully create a, a new normal within the art field. And that like this, it's kind of beaming outwards to other uh, realms of society. Uh, I live for the day when Soya has a primetime TV show. We'll know we've made great strides. Ben, 
I'd like to know where your creative practice is going, but also as the, you know, the originator of tonight's session and the, the founder of Bright Eyes Theatre Arts. Um, beyond your own work, what do you think the future is for performance in the animal rights mov movement? And kind of what, what's your biggest biggest hope? Yeah, my bigger, I think my biggest hope is, like I said before, about the realisation that performance has this power beyond just an add-on or just a, a thing we do as like, uh, yeah, supporting the movement. I feel so passionately that it's it, it's intrinsically interwoven, whether we like it or not. Like, I always go back to this thing of, if we go outside a slaughterhouse and do a vigil, that is a performance. And yes, uh, and I think, I think the bridge we've got to get over there with activists not thinking like that is just, is, it doesn't make it less it doesn't make it less real just because it's in a song doesn't make it less real just because um it's a theater production doesn't less, make it less real it brings out something it distills it it distills it into something that we can consume not in a capitalist way but in a in a emotive way in a tangible way and i've just written down here and i think it's kind of connected but this in creative in creative in creative practice we're dealing with beauty whether that's like the beauty in trauma if you get what i mean i mean we find awful sad songs beautiful in a weird way don't we and we but we also find beauty in utopian images and stuff and i think recognizing that as well how we're molding this beauty and bringing that to life and uh, i think that's really important and i think just going back to what's next is a sense of continuing that research i'm doing hopefully touch wood um finishing my phd on time but then continuing that research and and stuff and the bright the creation of bright eyes theater arts you give me much more credit than this do i basically just put i, I put on a website and then i invited daniel to do sorry the cow but um this idea this grand notion of this space of artists um encouraging artists and giving artists the space to be able to concentrate on on non-human animals um, is really exciting to me. Uh, nurturing, nurturing that um, and growing that side of stuff. I think it's really interesting and really exciting if we can contribute to changing the cultural na narrative around animals. And I think that's how change happens when people start feeling differently about animals because they're hearing stories about them through the presentation of beauty by creatives. Um, so hopefully some of that made sense. It did, Ben, and I'm not going to allow you to talk yourself down because I think we've had a lot of positivity in here tonight and there's plenty of people outside of this room are going to talk us down, so let's not do it to ourselves. So, Ben, I know you've done amazing work and I know you're going to continue to do it, so stop it. <laughs> do you know what? We are rapidly approaching the end of this. Now, we've, we've, we, we've actually just got lots of nice comments rather than questions, so what I want to do is I want to make sure that people can find you and follow you and get in touch with you beyond this. So I'm just going to go around the screen in the order that I can see you and just ask you to tell anybody who's listening now or will be watching this later where they can find you. So Instagram handles, Spotify, whatever it may be. Barbara, I'll start with you. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, Barbara Helen Veganize, and I'm on also on YouTube, um, Barbara Helen Veganize, and um, I've got a Bandcamp page, um, Barbara Helen 
where all my music is is there and you can also listen to me on spotify and on um on apple tunes and things like that apple music and um and you know sort of just I think they're my platforms really I'm, I'm just getting to grips with Instagram <laughs> so I haven't quite got there yeah most of my stuff's on Facebook and, and music's out there and did festivals across oh the world yeah well? yeah um, yeah sort of um it's mainly through the summer I've been doing things but yeah I'm, I'm available to sort of uh do festivals and a couple of weeks ago I was at the plant-based treaty event in Newcastle just performing live outside and just um, you know, get out there and and do what I can when I can. So, yeah, available. <laughs> Vegan Queen V, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, Vegan Queen V on YouTube. Uh, my album is on Bandcamp. Uh, it's called Freedom Warrior, so you can find it on there. Um, yeah, YouTube. I've got a few singles from the album up on YouTube, and I have uh, a website which is veganqueenv.com. And yeah, Instagram, Vegan Queen Bee on there. Uh, I got kicked off Facebook, so you won't find me there. <laughs> it's a badge of honour these days, I think. I think so. <laughs> uh, Holly, what about you? How can people get in touch with you? How can people get involved with Animal Rebellion? All of that. Yeah, well, Animal Rebellion, I'm not too involved with anymore since I moved, but definitely social media for them. I'm always looking for more people in the UK. Um, for me, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm not a motorbike. Um, I'm not. <laughs> um, I'll put my, my details in the chat. Um, I have a Medium blog site as well, where I occasionally write about these kind of ideas, um, and I should more regularly. Um, and then also just if people want to kind of chat or anything, I've just put my email in the chat as well. Feel free to reach out. Um, I love to talk to people, love to have conversations about social movement, social change. Um, and then you'll probably, I mean, if we have a successful action at some point in the future, you'll probably see me locked onto something on the news. So fingers crossed with that. Thanks, Holly. Uh, Daniel, so outside of a primetime Saturday night BBC TV slot for Sawyer the Cow. Where can where can people get you? Uh, well, you find me also on basically all the different social media uh, at Sawyer the Cow, Sawyer with Y. Uh, also on YouTube, there's some videos of songs, some um, theater trailers and stuff like this. Um, but yeah, I think the best is Instagram. I share stories of of my daily life as a drag cow. Fantastic. And uh, Ben, where can people get involved with your work, talk to you? Yeah, I think my best support call is my website, benhunt.info, because uh, that's got everything on. Um, but also, yeah, on Instagram, Bright, uh, Bright Eyes Theatre Arts, or Bright Eyes Theatre, it's one of the two, I'll put it in the, in the chat as well. Um, this is how new it is, eh? You still can't remember the Instagram handle. <laughs> right out, fresh out the box. But yeah, please, please do get in touch if if anyone hears this and wants to collaborate or just want to I'd just love to talk to any creative around their practice on animal rights because that's what I'm writing about and looking at so all right well we're going to bring this to a close thank you so much for giving over two hours of your time everyone particularly looking at Harley who I imagine is going to go to, to bed immediately after this all right well thanks again everybody it's been a pleasure listening to you all hearing from you learning about your work I'm sure you're going to get lots of followers, lots of people getting involved. And 
I wish you all the best in everything you do. And uh, I hope to see you out there doing work for the animals. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lee, for such a thoughtful, really well-structured, lovely, calm and relaxed um, session. I really appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much.